So we've been in a series in the book of John, and and each week we're looking at a different miracle of Jesus. And in in the Gospel of John, uh, the miracles of Jesus are called signs. And what that means is that for John, uh, uh, Jesus' miracles are not uh, naked, simply naked displays of Jesus' power. You know, uh, things that Jesus does just to show us how powerful he is. You know, if if that were the case, I can think of a lot more uh, exciting, powerful miracles that Jesus could have done, right? You know, if I were Jesus and all I wanted to do was uh, impress people with my power, I might fly over the Sea of Galilee. That would be pretty cool, wouldn't it? Um, Or I might, you know, look, nothing up my sleeve and then poof, a fireball goes right at the Pharisees. Right, if Jesus, if all he wanted to do was impress us with how powerful he, he was, uh, there, there are different things that he could have done. But, but the miracles are, they're not just signs of his power, but they are, they, they're uh, pictures of who Jesus is and what he came to do. They're pictures of, of the purpose of Jesus' power. Uh, what he does to redeem us. And so he, he feeds the hungry and he, and he raises the dead. These are all uh, windows, they're signs into deeper spiritual realities. They, the miracles, they all point beyond themselves. They all point beyond themselves to Jesus. They all point beyond themselves to deeper spirituality. And so it's right to look at the miracles on two different levels. Uh, there's the, the top level, which is kind of the, the miracle and, and what it was that Jesus did. But then there's a deeper level, which is what is the spiritual reality that the miracle points to. And so we're looking at that as we go through the Gospel of John. Now, today we're looking at the, the miracle of, the, uh, of Jesus uh, uh, giving a man sight. He uh, heals a man who is born blind. And, and if the, you know, the, the miracle of the 5,000, uh, if it pointed to Jesus' ability to, uh, to fill our spiritual hunger then the miracle of the blind man is there to show us Jesus' ability to give sight to our spiritual blindness. So this passage is all about Jesus' ability to help us see, to see reality, to see spiritual reality. Now, uh, being able to see is really important, isn't it? Just to living, right? Physical sight is crucial. And uh, I learned this a couple weeks ago. I was uh, driving to work in the morning, and it was one of those mornings where it was super cold the night before, so there was ice all over my car. It was all over both the, the windshield and the back window of the car. And as I, as I got into the car, I didn't have a lot of time. I had a meeting that I had to get to. And so I thought to myself, I don't need to defrost my windshield. I'll just, you know, I, I did turn on the, the, the defrost, and it defrosted just a little bit, but I thought I could do this, you know, I don't, do I really need to see crystal clearly through the, the front window? And so I, I, I backed out of the driveway, I hit the trash can on the way out, I, I got into the, onto the street uh, in, in front of my house, and I looked over, and there was my wife and my kids, and my wife was just shaking her head like, no, what are you doing, you know? And so I, I got through the neighborhood, and, and pretty soon it was evident that, you know, you can drive a car when it has a lot of problems, you know? If it, the transmission is slipping, you can still drive it. The tires are low, you can still drive it. Uh, you know, there's, there could be a lot of things wrong with your car, and you could still drive it, but it is really crucial that you see through the windshield. I got to the end of my neighborhood, and I thought, this is silly. I stopped the car, and I got out, and I started scraping the windshield, and Rachel Kemp saw me that day. She said, what are you doing? <laughs> you need to see to drive your car. You know, if you, don't, if you can't see through the windshield, if you don't know where you're going, you might as well stop 
It's fruitless. You're going to get yourself hurt and probably somebody else hurt. Well, spiritual sight is just as crucial. If you can't see reality, if you can't see, you know, what's in front of you spiritually, if you can't see spiritual truth and and reality, then you're in deep trouble in life. You're going to get yourself in all sorts of trouble. And if you're believing a lie, if you're believing something that's, that's not true, you know, you could, you could uh, alienate people from you. You can, uh, you can get yourself fired from a job. You can uh, break your, you can get yourself out of a marriage. You need to see reality. S- seeing spiritual reality is crucial. Jesus makes this point in Matthew chapter 6. He says this, the, the, the eye is the lamp of the body. So uh, he's analogy here, your, your eye is the lamp of the body. If, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if the, then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? He's saying spiritual sight is crucial. If you can't see reality, then everything else is in the dark. If you can't see Jesus clearly and yourself clearly and the world as it is, you are going to be in the dark. And so in John, this is a major theme. At the very beginning, what John says is that here's the condition of the world. The, the condition of the world is that we are dwelling in darkness. And that, that's a rich uh, metaphor, and it that means a lot of things. Like the, there's evil in the world, and there's sin in the world. But one of the things it means is that one of our greatest problems is that we don't see clearly. Blindness. Spiritual Blindness. And so uh, we're, it's kind of like we're groping around and we're bumping into things and we're stumbling about. And, and one of your greatest problems is that you are, your, your spiritual perception is off. And one of your greatest needs is that you need to see. And if you don't get that fixed, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. And so this miracle, it, it points to this, this very, very imp- important problem that the spiritual blindness, and Jesus' ability to help us see correctly. The story of this man being uh, born blind and receiving his sight, is it, it, it reveals the depth of our spiritual blindness and how we could be made uh, to see again. And so we're going to go through the story. We're going to uh, diagnose this problem and this condition in our lives and see how uh, Jesus can help us. Uh, we're, if you want a roadmap, here's the roadmap. We're going to just look at the story first, and it's a fascinating story, one of my favorites. And then we're going to sh- see how it reveals our condition of blindness, and then finally we're going to see how Jesus can heal us from that blindness. And so let's just uh, jump into the story. We're going to walk through it pretty slowly here. It begins, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And the disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. And as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud And said to him, go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. And so he went and washed and came back seeing. So the story opens up, and Jesus is in Jerusalem, and he's walking out of the temple. And as as he walks out with his disciples, there on the side of the road is a man who uh, is blind and he's begging. 
And it says here that this man was blind from birth, and so a blindness was all this man had ever known. And then it says, as they passed by, the, the disciples asked Jesus a theological question. They look at the man and say, uh, Rabbi, uh, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And so the blindness of this, of this man uh, raises a question in the disciples' mind. And it's, the, it's a classic question. It's the question of the problem of evil. Uh, why, if God is good, then why does evil, evil happen in this world? It's a great question, and a question that we are not going to tackle today, but next time. So be sure to come back next week to hear about the problem of evil. Uh, but uh, notice a couple things about the question. First, uh, it's insensitive. Um, here's, here's a man who's, who's sitting there begging, blind, and the disciples in his presence, in his hearing, say, hey, Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that, he was, that he's like this? Right, it's, very, it's a very insensitive question, first of all. But notice it's a question that they, that they already assumed the answer for. It is a leading question. Because here's what they assume. They already know the answer. It's, it's because of sin. This guy must have done something wrong if he's having such a hard life. It's an assumption that there is a connection between sickness and sin. And it's, it's, it, was, it was widespread in that culture. People believe this. People still believe this. You know, if you're having a hard life, a lot of you think, you know, oh, I must have done something wrong. God is pu punishing me. Right? There's that old song in The Sound of Music. Uh, there's, it's a sappy song, you know, where... Uh, uh, you know, the, the guy meets Maria, this girl, and they fall in love, and, and they sing, it, somewhere in my childhood, I must have done something right. Do you see the assumption that they're making? If I do what's right, I will have a good life. If I'm having a bad life, it must be because I've done something wrong. Now, notice how Jesus responds. Jesus refutes that logic. He says, neither. I love that. Neither. Uh, it wasn't this man or his parents. In other words, Jesus is saying this man's problem is not a theological conundrum, and there is not a relationship between sin and sickness, but he says it is an opportunity for us to serve him. It's an opportunity for us to get to work, and so he gets to work, he looks down at the man, and he performs the miracle. And I love the way Jesus does it. He, he, what does he do? He grabs some dirt, he spits in the dirt, and he makes mud with the dirt and the saliva. Really disgusting. It's really good that this man couldn't see, because he probably would have stopped Jesus. No, what are you doing? Jesus makes the saliva, he rubs it in the man's eyes. As you go through the Gospels, what's interesting is there's not one way that Jesus, there's no formula. Uh, Jesus does it differently every time. Sometimes he speaks a word and a person is healed. Sometimes they touch his garment. Sometimes he literally lays a hand on them. Here he spits in the mud, rubs it in the man's eyes, and he says, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. And so the man went and he washed and he came back seeing for the first time in his life. Could you imagine what it would be like? Can you imagine the colors? Could you imagine the reality that this man saw for the very first time? Well, the story goes on in verse 8. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this the man who used to sit and beg? And so the people that noticed the man's healing first were the ones that lived around him, the people that saw him every day. Is this the guy that we see begging every day on the side of the road? Is this the same person? 
And so they're kind of confused by it. And then it says in verse 9, and, and some says, yes, it is he. And others says, no, it is, but it's like him. It's someone who looks like him. And then he kept on saying, I am the man. And so they're confused. Is this the guy? Yes, yes, it is. No, it's not. It's just somebody who looks like him. And it says, he kept on saying, it's me. <laughs> and he, he, listen to me. Somebody listen to me. It sounds like my wife in my house. Uh, you know, she will say something to me, and I will be, in, you know, somewhere up in the clouds. And, and, and I'll ask her a question that reveals I wasn't listening. And sometimes she'll say, Brent, you weren't listening to me. Some people aren't listening to me. This man is saying, you're not listening to me. He kept on saying, I am the man. And then in verse 10, they said to him, then how were, how were your eyes opened? And he answered them, the man called Jesus made mud, anointed my eyes, and said to me, go to, the, to Siloam and wash. And so I went and washed and received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? And he said, I don't know. And so uh, right after Jesus performs the miracle, he's, he's mysteriously absent, like he's gone, he's disappeared. And so uh, when he opened the man's eyes, the guy didn't see Jesus immediately. And so they said, well, where, this man healed you, but wh where is he? And he said, I don't know where he is, I don't know where he went. And so the neighbors are confused, and so they go to the religious leaders for help. They take the man to the Pharisees. And in verse 13, it says, they, they, they brought him to the Pharisees, and the man who had formerly been born, born blind was there. And now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. And you're like, why does Jesus always heal on the Sabbath? Come on. It's, like, it's, it's almost like Jesus is trying to get underneath the skin of these religious leaders. He's always healing on the Sabbath. And of course, uh, for the, the Pharisees, it was illegal and ir irreverent to do any work on the Sabbath. And so uh, making mud with your spit was considered work. And so when they bring him to the Pharisees, the Pharisees get upset in verse 15. The Pharisees asked him, how he had received his sight, and, and, said, and, they said, and he said to them, he put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. And some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God. For he who does not keep the Sabbath, but others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them, and so they said again to the man, what do you say about him, since he has opened your eyes? And he said, he is a prophet. And so the Pharisees, they're angry. Jesus did this on the Sabbath. And isn't this astounding? I mean, here's a man who was, he could see after, after years and years and years. This is a miracle. This is really, really good news. But they're so blind that all, all they can see is that he broke the Sabbath. Right? One commentator, one commentator on these verses, he said this. Um, he said this. The, the Pharisees were so firmly in the grip of darkness that they saw only a technical breach of their law, and they could not discern a spectacular victory of light over darkness. Right, so here a blind man can see standing right in front of them, but they're so in the grip of darkness that all they can see is he broke the Sabbath. And they're angry. And they say, who do you think this, this Jesus is? And the man gives the answer, he's a prophet. Of course he's somebody great. He's, he's, I can see now. But they don't believe him. They're not going to accept that. And so what do they do? They want to get more evidence. They want to prove that this man is wrong. And so they go to the man's parents, verse 18. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight. And they asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? 
And his parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. So they ask him two questions, two questions to the parents. Number one, is your son really blind? Was he really born blind? And they answer into the affirmative. Yes, he really was born blind. Then they ask him, well, how can he see now? To which they answer, we have no idea. And then notice what they do. They say, why don't you go ask him? In verse 21, he is of age. He will speak for himself. Verse 22, his parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ... He was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, go ask him. Thanks, mom and dad. Right? Here, the Pharisees are, they are pressuring the parents to conform to their version of reality. They will not accept that this man was born blind. They will not accept that Jesus healed him. They cannot accept it. And so the parents know, they know that these people are not after the truth. They're afraid to give them the right answer. It's almost like the emperor with, with, uh, with the new clothes, right? Everybody's afraid to tell him he's naked. And so they're not, they're not about to tell these people the truth. And so they say, go ask our son. You ask him. He'll tell you, right? Evading, evading the responsibility so that they don't get kicked out of the synagogue. And so finally the Pharisees, they go to the man. And this is a classic little Dialogue. So the, this, for the second time, they called the man, this is verse 24, who had been blind, and they said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he's a sinner I, or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. And they said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I have told you already. Do you want to listen? Why do you want to hear it? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? <laughs> so here they go to the man, and they're, and they're saying, we know you didn't get healed. Tell us the truth. Tell us what's right. This man is, is a sinner. And the guy born blind is exasperated. He's saying, I told you, this is the fourth time I've talked about him spitting in the ground and the mud and everything. I've told you this over and over again. Do I need to tell you again? What, do you also want to become his disciples? Is that why you want to know? Why do you want to know? Why can't you see? What are you, blind? And then in verse 28, they reviled him. They reviled him saying, you are his disciple and we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why? This is brilliant rhetoric right here. He says, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if, if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard of anyone who opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered him, you were born in utter sin. Would you teach us? Who are you to lecture us? And they cast him out. And so here are these people. They cannot handle the truth. When they cannot shut this guy up, they resort to name-calling. You were born in sin. We know why you're blind. Everybody knows why you're blind. And it says that he, they cast them out of the synagogue, and the man went away. 
But notice Jesus comes to him in verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who may become blind, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard the things that Jesus said to him, Are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. And that's the story. A beautiful story, isn't it? Here is a man who was, who was blind from birth, and Jesus opens his eyes. And it reveals a condition, a condition that everybody, uh, you can see it all the way through the story here, and mostly in the Pharisees. These are a group of people that are more blind than the actual blind man, right? The truth is right in front of them. And they're, and they're searching for evidence, and they're looking to disprove this man the truth, but the truth is right in front of them, and they don't see it. They are in a condition of spiritual blind men. So, men, so let's stop here, and let's, let's kind of put on our, our doctor's uniforms, and let's, let's, let's diagnose his condition, right, it, these, the, the, the Pharisee's condition. If they are a picture of spiritual blindness, what does that condition look like? How do we know that we, suffer, we might be suffering from that same condition? What, what, what might be the symptoms of spiritual blind, blindness? And I think this story gives us some symptoms. First of all, what I want you to see uh, is that this blindness is not an intellectual problem. The problem here with spiritual blindness is not necessarily a mind problem. It's not an information problem. It's not an intelligence problem. Do you see the, the Pharisees? Uh, you need to know this about them. These were educated people. The Pharisees were, were the most educated people in the ancient world for, for, the, for the Jews. They were, uh, they were highly intelligent. And so the problem here is not that they don't have enough information. They, they have the right information, and they're even searching for evidence. They, it's not that they don't have enough evidence here. They've got the blind man who could see. They've talked to the parents. They've talked to everything, everybody. It's not so much that they've got an intellectual problem. Spiritual blindness is not a problem with your mind. It's a problem with your heart. It's that the eyes of your heart are not open. And the thing about spiritual blindness is, is that you could, have, you could know everything. You could know it all. And more information doesn't help. Spiritual blindness is a, it's a core heart problem. And that's what's going on with the Pharisees here. They can see, but they won't see. They refuse to see. They're denying what is true. Years ago, I went, to a, uh, I went on a European vacation with my brother and my sister, and we, we, went, we drove from uh, Austria down to, or to Germany, Germany, Austria, Switzerland, Italy. And uh, we saw castles. We saw a lot of things. But one of the things we stopped and looked at in Austria was the, uh, a concentration camp. It was called Dachau. And uh, this, it, was, it was powerful. This, this uh, visit changed my life because you go to Dachau, and it's right outside of a little village. I mean, literally minutes, you could walk to the concentration camp from the village. 
And as, as we were, there was a muse- museum in this camp, and we were walking around, and they said, the, one of the most ama- amazing things is that the people in the village had no idea that they were exterminating the Jews. They had no idea. And they said the fascinating thing was they were minutes away. They could see the camp from their windows. And, and they said when they turned on the, um, you know, the furnaces to kill those people, it says the ash of the, of, of the bodies would, would cover the city. The city would be white. The amazing thing is, is they had no idea what was going on. And they said it was amazing, even after the war, when, uh, you know, the Allied forces came in, one of the first things they did is they took all the, the people in the village and they walked them to the camp so they literally had to see the bodies. And what was going on there? I mean, surely, you know, somebody could have put two and two together and connected the dots and said, oh, yeah, what is this ash and what's going on? They could have, it wasn't that they lacked intelligence. These people were willingly ignorant. They were suppressing the truth because the truth, they couldn't take the truth. They couldn't handle the truth. You know, like that old movie, A Few Good Men, you know, with Jack Nicholson and and, uh, Tom Cruise is the, the lawyer, you know, and... And uh, uh, Kevin Bacon is the defending attorney. And they're, they're cross-examining the sergeant, you know, and they're, they're wanting to get at the truth that, that they killed. He had one of the, the, um, the, the soldiers killed. And they're trying to get at the truth. And this guy's an arrogant uh, uh, captain. I mean, Jack Nicholson does an um, incredible job acting. And at one point, Tom Cruise says, tell us the truth. Come on, you know the truth. And Jack Nicholson looks back and says, you can't handle the truth. You don't want to know the truth. And sometimes the truth is so earth-shattering. It is so condemning. It is so shocking. It is so uncomfortable that we willingly suppress it. And this is spiritual blindness. It's not an intellectual problem. It is a heart problem. And so if somebody who's, who's, who's not a Christian and, and, and they don't believe, and you think, well, all they need to do is they need, we need to give them more information I just need to argue a little bit better, a little bit tighter, a stronger argument. Listen, for spiritual blindness, as somebody who, who, who doesn't see Jesus, all the information in the world is not going to help by itself. Jesus needs to open their eyes. Spiritual blindness is a heart problem, not an information problem. Now, I know you're saying, well, these Pharisees, yes, they don't know Jesus. But this is a problem uh, not only for non religious people, but also for religious people. What's interesting in the story is that the people that are most spiritually blind are who? The Pharisees. The most religious people of the day are the most blind. Spiritual blindness is not something that affects people outside of the church. It is very much alive and well and here. And so here's, here's the uncomfortable truth. You might be sitting here in the seat and be blind this morning. Maybe you don't know Jesus at all. Maybe you think you do, but you've been living a lie. And so you may not know Jesus at all and still be a very religious person. One of the main symptoms here as you look through the story is that of their blindness is they keep on saying, we know. Did you notice that? The man in the story, he's like, who healed you? He's like, I don't know. He's willing to admit that he doesn't know, but all through the story, the Pharisees are the ones who are saying, oh, we know. Oh, yes, we know. Oh, yeah, we know that already. We, are, we already we know. You don't tell us something we don't know. They know. 
And this is one of the symptoms that you're blind is that you think you know. The people who, who really say, oh, we can see, oh, yes, we can, those are the people that are most in danger of spiritual blindness. And so Jesus, at the end of the story, the Pharisees uh, look at him and they say, uh, are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would, not, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Right? You are most in danger when, you're, when you find yourself saying, oh, I know that already. I already know that. Tell me something I don't know. Well, that's a symptom that you don't. And there are all sorts of things that, that, we, that we know but we don't know. Right? I, I know that God is in control. I know that intellectually. I could write, write a paper on the sovereignty and control of God. Oh, yes, I can do that. But I still am very, very anxious. Hey, if I knew that God was in control of my life, and if I knew that he was good, then I wouldn't be anxious. The problem there is that I know, but I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, you, you know it, but you don't know it. This is blindness. This is one of our greatest spiritual problems. And Tim Keller tells a story about a young girl, and she was, she was very upset because she didn't get a date for prom. And so she goes to him for counseling. And uh, she sits down, and he looks at her, and she's talking about how nobody likes her, and she's ugly, and all this stuff. And he says, she just doesn't know that Jesus loves her. And so he starts telling her, Jesus loves you, and you're beautiful, infinitely precious, image of God. He tells her all of this stuff, and she looks back at him, and she says, I know all that. But what good is it when the boys won't even look at me? She knew, but she didn't know. And this is one of our greatest problems. We just don't see reality. We may know it intellectually like the Pharisees did. We could get an A on all the theology exams. You know it, but you don't know it. The, the, your, your mind is enlightened, but the eyes of your heart are not enlightened. And that's the key. That, this is the key to, to living the life that you should live. It's also the, one of our greatest problems that keeps us in the dark. One of the areas where we're most spiritual blind has to do with our own sin. There are blind spots in your life, and usually they revolve around areas in your life that are broken, and you just won't see it. C.S. Lewis has a great little quote about this. He says, when a man is getting better, he understands more and more clearly the evil that is still in him. When a man is getting worse, he understands his own badness less and less. A moderately bad man knows he is not very good. A thoroughly bad man thinks he is all right. This is, a common, this is common sense, really. You understand sleep only when you're awake, not while you're sleeping. Good people know about both good and evil. Bad people do not know about either. So he's saying when you start to get better, when your eyes start to open, you, you, strangely you start to see yourself as more sinful than you thought you were. But a blind person says, oh, I'm fine. I don't have any problems. Oh, how dare you tell me that I don't know what I'm doing? Right? That is a symptom of spiritual blindness. You don't see the darkest parts about you. And someone is, who's getting better sees clearly. And so there's one little story of uh, Mother Teresa. And she, she's walking out of, out of a confessional booth. She was a Catholic. She's confessed all of her sins, you know, and she comes out and she, she meets the priest coming out of the confessional booth. And she says to him, well, now you can correct all those folks who say I'm a saint. 
you know you're beginning to see when you start to see your own brokenness. And when, and when, when you're blind, you think you're okay. You just can't see what's going on in your life. Now, notice, uh, finally, if, if we're doing a diagnosis here, the final thing that kind of just puts a nail in the coffin of their blindness is they're just so angry at the truth. Do you see that? They're not just denying the truth and, or suppressing the truth. They're angry at the truth. This man is telling them what's right. He's like, I can see now, and I'm telling you, Jesus is a prophet. What, do you want to be his disciples? And this is when they really get mad, and they say, you were born a sinner. Get out of here. Go away. See, you know that you are blind when the truth not only is hidden from you, but it actually makes you mad. And the other day, I was in a conversation with a person, and this person was telling me the truth. And I found myself getting angry and defensive and just thinking, just, what's wrong? How could you say that? And finally, I just up and I left the room. And I wasn't just running from the person. I was running from the truth that was making me mad because it was turning my world upside down. And I just couldn't handle the truth. I didn't want to hear the truth because it meant that I was, I was wrong. And it's hard to say that. But you see, it's only the truth can set you free. And in order to be healed, you've got to come into the light. And this is the whole reason Jesus came into the world. This story is a commentary on John 1.1. The light came into the darkness. And, and the light exposed the darkness. And when he did that, they got angry because they loved the darkness rather than light. And sadly, that is true of many of us. Ignorance is bliss. And you would rather be blind and sick and comfortable than to be able to see clearly the uncomfortable truth that turns your world upside down. But it's the truth that will set you free. And in order to move forward, you've got to be able to see through the windshield. You've got to have sight. You need to see reality if you're going to get better. And Jesus is saying, look, I'm exposing you because I love you. And, and if you don't see the truth, you're never going to get better. Well, that raises a question. How do we see the truth? What is the cure for spiritual blindness? Ultimately, this story is a story about uh, the cure of spiritual blindness. And Jesus says, um, I've got to hurry up here. Jesus looks at this man and he says, behold, you are healed. And the man who can see clearly, falls down, and he worships Jesus. He is healed from his, from his blindness. And he says early in the story, I once was blind. This is one thing I know. I once was blind, but now I see. Spiritual sight comes from a traumatic illumination from the outside. And one sense, there's nothing you can do to see better. Jesus has to do it. You must meet him. You must encounter him. And just like Paul on the road to Damascus, when he met the risen Jesus, the scales fell off of his eyes, and he went forward seeing. You need to meet him. You need to know Jesus if you're ever going to see. Secondly, you've got to be able to let Jesus expose you. One of the ways he does this is through the Bible. Put yourself in a place where the light of God's word is speaking into your life. Meet Jesus Put yourself in a place where you are exposed by the light of God's word over and over again. You can pray the prayer of, of Psalm 139 where he says, Search me, O God. Help me to know what's in my heart. 
and lead me in the way everlasting because I'm blind and I won't see unless you show me. Finally, you can, you can put somebody in your life, some annoying person, who will hold up the mirror and show you reality. Sometimes you need a loving person who's willing to tell you the truth. Because Jesus wants you to see. Jesus Christ, in fact, came into the world to live a perfect life and to die a death where he was thrust into outer darkness so that he could bring you into the light. He wants you to see more than you want to see. And he can illuminate you so that the truth can hit home to your heart and change your life. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we thank you for this story. God, we, um, it's a parable. God, uh, not only of this of, uh, surface level, it's a story of a man who receives sight, but it's also a story about how we who are blind, blind to you and to your love and your truth, blind to ourselves and our sin, blind to the, to the grace, the very grace that can change our lives. And I pray, God, uh, that you would open us, open our eyes, God, help us to see you for who you are. And we pray this in Jesus' name.